Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... We're just as dumb, and we're just as smelly, and we're just as messy, and we like to go our own way just as much as anybody else does, and the gospel is that we all need the Good Shepherd. The reality of church leadership is that we are to be engaged in the feeding of God's flock, the protecting of God's flock, the finding of God's flock, and the uniting and unifying of God's flock. So an overseer is someone who is a servant with a shepherd's heart. In the Bible, people are often compared to sheep. This comparison is meant to show us that we need Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, to lead us. One of the ways Jesus leads us is by appointing leaders in the church, but they're not perfect. While the shepherd who can truly guide us to safety is Jesus, godly church leaders who stay close to Jesus and His Word can help to guide us as well. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 with part two of his message entitled, Leading God's Flock. It's often been said that leaders are called, qualified, and gifted. 1 Timothy 3 says they have a desire for such things. So it includes spiritual gifts. Remember we talked about that a couple weeks ago, that we all have uh, spiritual gifts, and it has to do with, with serving and teaching and encouraging the people of God. But actually, it's a lot more than that. Someone who's called at this level is someone who is compelled to sacrificially lead the church. That means that their lives are going to have to have a great amount of sacrifices and what we might call inconveniences, things that we, no excuses, where we're going to have to give our lives to the church. And such a person, they don't just go to church, they feel the weight of the responsibility for the church. It doesn't mean they're better Christians. It doesn't mean they're more godly. It just means that that is something that God has put inside of them. It, you see when he says here, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, the calling for a leader in this church would look like this. It is a relentless drive to be among you. It is a relentless drive to be among God's people in the church in which God has placed you in, not just your friends, I mean, it's easy to hang out with our friends most of the time, right? It's easy to hang out with our friends. But someone who has the God calling of being a shepherd wants to be with everyone. Uh, the most frustrating thing about this gig for me is that I can't talk to every one of you every week. I would love to do that. You can't do it. There's just too many people, not enough of me to go around. I have to talk to everybody for one second. You know, just like plastic, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, shaking hands at the door. You see, here's the fact that a leader can't shepherd you unless they're among you, right? He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. In other words, a leader is here. And I know that rubs a lot of people the wrong way, but you can't shepherd the people unless you're among the people. And it's not that you have to, it's that you want to. It's not that we say, okay, you're a leader, now you gotta show up every Sunday. 
No, you watch for people who show up every Sunday and who are dispersing among the flock, not just their friends, and you say, that's a, that's a leader. The church we came from, my wife always signed our kids into the children's ministry and she would say, I will go get the kids after the service and you do your thing. <laughs> what was my thing? I would sit next to people. I wasn't a pastor and if I saw them crying, I would pray with them. If I saw them look like they were hurting or confused or they were new, I would speak with them. And the pastors of the church that I was in recognized that in me and started to work with me a little bit more on my calling. So here we have people that are called and they answer the call. They are encouraged, they're exhorted to lead. Number two, God's leaders are eager to lead. Eager to lead. Look at verse two again. Shepherd, that's the word pastor. Shepherd is a pastor. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. Very interesting word, overseers. In some Bible versions, it says bishops, bishops. The church I grew up in, when you got a letter from the bishop, it was like, open your wallet, man, right? <laughs> like, we have a letter from the bishop. We're like, oh, we need money, right? So it was an overseer, it was a bishop, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Another version says eager to serve. So Peter tells us that church leaders, and by the way, the word pastor, elder, and bishop is used interchangeably in the Bible. So if some of you want to start calling me Bishop Jim, it's cool, man. You can do it, right? No, not BJ. It's just as bad as PJ, man. I hate that, right? Okay. So, but those are inter interchangeable terms. Some of us who are older, when we think of the bishop, it's like this old Monty Python skit, but that's just, we're just dating ourselves. Another version says that these overseers, they exercise oversight. Another version says they exercise oversight with authority. Now, a lot of us have had some bad, bad, bad church experiences about the authority and the misuse of authority of people. So let's talk about what authority is not. Authority is not that I get all the passwords on your computer. I can't even remember mine. I'm not going to remember yours. It's not that we want you to bring your pay stubs in and your checkbook in so we can see how much money you give. People have, a lot of people have actually had that happen to them or your, or your tax return, something like that. They want to make sure that you're, you're giving what you say you're giving. It's not that we follow you around. We're not going to follow you around. It's the funniest thing how language has changed, Right? My wife, you know, on the internet, and she's like, oh, you know, and she's like, I, you know, I got 10 new followers last week. Now, five years ago, 10 guys followed my wife. I am not happy about that, <laughs> right? Okay, but now I'm kind of cool with it, right? But, but we're not, we're not, we're not going to be following, we're not going to be following you around. We're not going to be trying to control your life. I remember early in the church, somebody came to me uh, about 10 years ago and said, you know, I need your blessing to buy a car. I'm like, What? Like, I need your blessing to buy a car. My old church, before we did anything, we asked the pastor. And silly me, I'm like, I'm, I think I, they're waiting for me to go, hmm, give me a minute, hmm, you know, right? And I was like, can you afford a new car? <laughs> What's wrong with the one you have now? And so we've kind of figured out that they could afford a car. And they were like, uh, one more thing, pastor. I was like, what? I like, 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 what color? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> what color do you like? I was like, you know, uh, no, we're not going to do any of that. We've been studying on Wednesday nights. I hope you're listening along with us if you're not able to come out of uh, the, the book of Chronicles. We're studying the kings. And the, and the kings were called often shepherds of God's people. 
And as shepherds, they had a responsibility to uh, position the people of God for godliness and service in the kingdom of God. Some person, uh, people have been said it this way, that an elder, the term elder describes someone's maturity, the term bishop describes their responsibility, and the term pastor describes their ministry. Now, shepherding and guiding, in addition to teaching, which would be feeding the flock, has a directional or a leading component to it. And you see, I've been, I've been so deeply convicted of this, that there is an administrative function that's very important in being an overseer of the church. Psalm 78, 72 said this about King David, who was the example to be held out by all the kings in the Old Testament. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. So it wasn't that David was just this, had integrity. It wasn't that he had a wonderful heart. It just wasn't that he was nice to people all the time. There was a skillfulness in the way he organized the people of God. There was a skillfulness in the way that he led the people of God. And that's the same for you if you're in the business world, if you're in a family, that there's an integrity you must have, but there's a, there's a skillfulness as well. And it's important to see that the Lord gifts people to, to make them competent in their role. The real question is for, on our part is about our desire and our pursuit of the gifts and the giving of our time to such gifts. You see, the love of the Lord and the call to shepherd a flock will not only lead people to service, but it will lead people to diligence in the work of the ministry. So church leadership leads to the work of the church, which encompasses many different things, including uh, sometimes you just have to be the bad guy when you lead a church or you're a leader. Sometimes you have to make, do you ever have to make a tough decision for someone that they couldn't stand, but you knew it was for their benefit? If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, your 13-year-old daughter comes and, sit, and you're like, no, you can't go with an 18-year-old to the prom. No. <laughs> you hate me. You don't trust me. It's him I don't trust, okay? And so sometimes you have to make difficult decisions that are going to affect people, and you have to make tough decisions for the best of the flock. I really believe the most important thing for a leader in a church is to see the church as what he calls here the flock of God. For a pastor or leaders in, in whatever capacity in the church to realize that it's God's flock, not your flock. That the flock belongs to who Jesus called himself the good shepherd. And in the Old Testament, Yahweh was often pictured as a shepherd. What's probably the most popular verses in the, in the Old Testament? The Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus comes along and says, he's the good shepherd. Oh man, they knew exactly what he was talking. We hear that, we go, oh, that's so nice. When David said, King David, who was, the, was an under shepherd, we'll talk about that in a second. When he said, Yahweh is my shepherd, and Jesus comes along and says, I'm the good shepherd. They knew he was talking about the shepherd probably of Ezekiel 34. The religious leader said, you know who he's saying he is, don't you? We hear, oh, Jesus, the good shepherd, and, and we think, oh, that's so wonderful. And they're thinking, we are going to lynch him. And as David knew, leaders are simply under shepherds of the good shepherd. Now, if you've been around the church any length of time, you've probably heard sermons about stuff like this. Well, you know, sheep are dumb. Like, I'm supposed to make you feel bad, right? Sheep are dumb, and they're smelly. 
Well, let me tell you something. I've been around the church long enough to know that sheep are dumb and they're smelly and so are under shepherds. <laughs> we're just as dumb and we're just as smelly and we're just as messy and we like to go our own way just as much as anybody else does. And the gospel is that we all need the good shepherd. The reality of church leadership is that we are to be engaged in the feeding of God's flock, the protecting of God's flock, the finding of God's flock, and the uniting and unifying of God's flock. And so an overseer is someone who is a servant with a shepherd's heart. And Peter says here, don't do this by compulsion, but willingly. This is not an obligation. This is a privilege. This is a privilege. Now, there are times when you lead, you have to fulfill your obligation. Please don't get me wrong on that. There's plenty of times when you're going to have to lay your feelings aside, what you think about things aside. And, you know, I say, you know, sometimes you can, listen, I married a doll, and you know that. But there's some days where I don't feel like being married. I just don't. It would be easier not to be married. Now, she probably has more of those days than I have. <laughs> but there's just some days you're going to wish you weren't in the position that you're in. If you're a boss at work, there's some days when you just don't want to be the boss, right? But those need to be the exceptions. We need to realize that when God has called us to lead, that it is a privilege because here's the thing as it applies to the church. If you see it as just an obligation, the joy will soon depart. And you think, oh, no, 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 that won't happen to me. That won't happen to me. Let me tell you the truth. The long hours and the criticism will make sure of it. Because not everybody's going to be happy all the time. And I know I got it easy here with you guys. Without the word of God, without prayer, without the power of the Holy Spirit, no leader will survive the onslaught of their soul that awaits them. No leader will survive the constant feeling of you're failing the people of God and you're failing God. No leader will survive the, 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 the constant feeling like you're carrying the weight of the flock. He says here, don't, don't do it for dishonest gain. You know, there's a lot of pastors out there that are making a fortune at this gig. They're telling people, listen, if you have enough faith and you give enough money, you're all going to be rich. And the only guy getting rich is who? Them. Terrible. There's other people who want to do it for the fame or the notoriety. Peter says here, don't do it for what you can get out of it. Do it for what you can put into it. The church needs full-hearted, not half-hearted leaders, not greedy for money. But by the same token, in other places of the Bible, the, the case has been made not greedy with the money you already have. The church doesn't need people who are trying to be respected or thought well of. The church needs leaders who are desiring the glory of God. And that's a desire, loved ones, that needs to be in all of us. We need to desire the glory of God. I've said before, I'll say it again, that's why we went through all of this trouble to start a radio station. That's why we started a radio show, not for us, for others. And when we desire the glory of God, it will produce a Holy Spirit willingness and eagerness in all of us. And here, 
in the leaders to serve the church. Number three, God's leaders are entrusted to lead. Entrusted to lead. I never... I never want God to say to me, Jim, I trusted you with those people and you were irresponsible with it. I never want that. Verse 3, nor is being lords, little l, punk lords, right? Remember little g, gods in the Bible, punk gods. Not as being lords, some versions say not lording it over, not domineering over those entrusted to you. Being a leader is a God-given responsibility. But, contrast, I don't want you to lord it over people, God says, but I want you to be examples to the flock. Peter is saying to them, this is a sacred and holy calling. Whereas in verse 2, he dealt more with our inward thinking. Here in verse 3, he's talking more about our outward behavior. What is he saying? Be an example to the people in the church. Don't abuse the authority that I've given to you. You see, in the Bible, the authority of church leaders is real. It should be in in the church, right? But it's important to remember that leaders are under the Lord's authority. It is something that we have been entrusted with. This is a trust that the Lord Jesus gives to church leaders and oppressively lording it over people is unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. And if somebody abusively and oppressively lorded over to you, please understand this. If they have not repented before God, and you'll know they have when they seek to find you, okay, the thundering judgment of God will be upon them. God does not appreciate when he allows people to oversee his flock and they abuse the privilege. Unacceptable. Should we hold up standards for service? Yes. Yes. I mean, our parking lot can be a little rough, right? It can be a little rough. And if you're new here, you're like, this is all the parking we have. We have a whole bunch of lots, but trying to get to the sheep into the different lot parking pens is not always that easy. <laughs> well, what would happen if those guys showed up an hour after the service started? That wouldn't work, right? Some of you have kids in the children's ministry. How would that work if they showed up an hour after the service started? I mean, you'd walk in there and you're like, oh, three of the kids are dead. What happened, man? Right? Because they got strangled because they took something out of a three-year-old's hand. Right? Of course there has to be standards. Your work has standards, don't they? I hope they do or find another job because you won't be employed very long. Now, can we have to be careful how much we take on as a church? Of course we do. We get Billions of great ideas. It's not billions, but it seems like it. We get tons of great ideas. But if we undertake every idea, you know what will happen? We'll bury ourselves and we'll bury you. We'll just be like these Christians on a treadmill, like a hamster or something like that. We'll have no time for anything else. So there has to be standards. There has to be care in what we do. But that's not what Peter's talking about. I think in Mark 10, really, Jesus helps us sort this out. They're walking along, and and James and John are like, hey, you know, when you come in glory and you set up your kingdom, you know, you're on the throne. Can we sit on the right and the left, right? And the other 10 apostles are what? They're mad that those two guys would ask that. Now, do you know why they were mad? Because they didn't ask first, right? (laughs) 
they were mad. And Jesus says this, Mark 10, 42. He says, but Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, now that, remember we said that word in the Bible can be non-Jews or unbelieving people, but those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Who's he talking to? The guys who become the leaders and founders of the first century church. He's saying to them, you don't lead my people by lording it over them. You're not over the people. You are a supporter of the people. You're not running around barking at everybody what to do. You're helping them to do what God has called them to do. And sometimes that means you just lay off, right? And you just let them figure it out. Now notice he says that the leaders are to be examples to the flock. Now in America, we sort of don't like to talk about that. You know, we're just like, well, you know, especially even in the church, we're like, well, we're all sinners and there's no good examples and, and we don't believe anybody really can have honest and good intentions because why would anybody with honest and good intentions do anything to help anybody other than themselves? But in the Bible... In the Bible, being a good example is actually quite common. Being called for all of us to be called an example is good. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And we're all called to be examples to one another. Now here's something you might want to write down. You ready? You don't have to be perfect to be an example. Mm, a lot of eyes popping on that one. <laughs> you don't have to be perfect to be an example. Now for a leader, Peter's saying here that this is not optional. Rather, being an example is a major challenging responsibility of the office. So if you're not used to failing as an example and telling God that you failed and telling other people that you failed, you're probably not a leader because that's going to be a regular part. You know, some people say, well, you know, the pastor could never do anything wrong. I'm like, don't talk to my wife, right? <laughs> okay? because, because that's ridiculous. Peter's saying here, don't enter the ministry because you want to be the boss. Don't enter the ministry because you want the perks don't enter the ministry because you want the prestige. Enter the ministry if you want to model Jesus Christ to people. You, you say, well, that's absolutely impossible. Nobody could be like him. I agree with you there. However, I will say this. All of us can model Jesus' servant's heart, can't we? All of us can, especially leaders, you want to be a leader, you better get used to taking blame for things that are not your fault. You say, does that ever happen to you, Pastor Jim? I say, rarely, I would tell you, rarely a week goes by where I don't take blame for something that's not my fault. Not that I'm lying about it. It's just like, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. How can you model Jesus' servant heart? You serve your critics. You serve your critics. Anybody who steps out to lead or to do something worthwhile in life is going to have critics. That's just the reality of it. That's just the reality of it. And serving your critics or taking the blame for something that wasn't your fault, isn't that what happened on the cross? 
Jesus took the blame for something that wasn't his, his fault. That is not a sign of weakness. That is a sign of humility and strength. Why is this all so important? Because church leaders sometimes have to show people how to live. And sometimes we have to tell people how to live. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we are overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass on this message to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Change by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord here in the book of 1 Peter, one verse at a time. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time, 